Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to Momentum Online and to our series, This is Momentum. You guys, I hope you have been having just as much fun as I've been having. The idea for the series is we're talking about who God is calling us to be as a church community. And we're anchoring our values as a church family in Scripture week after week. We are in the same Scripture as we were in last week. We will go back to the book of Hebrews. If you like following along in your own Bible, I'd say this would probably be your best chance to go in and open your Bible and make sure you're ready for one we go because we're going to come flying at this verse today. Now, I'll tell you a couple things in review as we get going. First and foremost is this. To build a culture, you have to be a culture. Last week, we said it like this. You have to be what you hope to see. And what I mean is I could sit here all day and talk about who we're supposed to be and what Jesus wants for us and what kind of church community we want to build while we're here. But If we don't together lean into these scriptures and lean into these values and say, I'm going to live them, I'm going to do my part in creating this beautiful community, I could talk all I want, but nothing's going to happen. So it is us working together that actually makes this happen. And we want to keep our mission in front of us this whole time. And so I will just remind you at Momentum, our mission is simple. We are here to help people meet Jesus know Jesus, and make the world better and brighter in Jesus' name. Our mission is to help people, helping people meet Jesus, know Jesus, and making the world better and brighter in Jesus' name. All the other This Is Mo messages, that's what we've been calling it, This Is Momentum, have everything you need to know about that. You can jump back on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram. I think those are our three, or on our website if you need help getting to those videos, and you can check those out and update yourself there. I recommend you do that if you miss those. Anyways, I'm going to pray, and then we're diving right into Hebrews 10, okay? So I'll meet you there. Uh, God and Father, if you're not speaking um, through this camera, if you're not speaking through this camera and through devices, if you're not in this, this thing's a bust. So God, I just pray that as we open your scriptures, your Holy Spirit would fill me to teach what it is that you have for us and what it is that you want for us. God, I know I need you if anything is going to happen special or powerful or significant in this moment. So join us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 starts like this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day approaching. I'll ask you a question. Have you ever been in a meeting? Maybe it was a work meeting with a small group of people or a board you sat on or HOA, I don't know, whatever it is. Have you ever been in a meeting and you're sitting there with a group of people, everyone with good intentions and Somebody has an idea at the meeting, you know, they want everyone, you know, hey, here's our plan. This is where we need to go. This is what we need to do. And you're listening to somebody share their plan with the group and and you're going to decide together if that's the direction you should go or if those are the things you should do. And somebody begins explaining what they think everyone should do and where you should go. But because of where you sit and because of what you see, you realize if we go in that direction and we do those things, it's not going to be good. 
It's not just going to be bad for you. It's not just going to be some roadblocks. But if we embrace this idea and we actually do what this person wants us to do, it's going to cause problems for us. It's going to cause problems for other people. It's going to cause problems for our future. And it's going to stand in the way of what we need to do. But, you know, we're all kind and everybody's sensitive. And you're in a meeting and there's five other people. So you're kind of letting this person share. And you're like, oh, one of these other people, clearly they understand this as well. And somebody's going to chime in in just a minute and let them know. Or, you know, maybe somebody will bring up a counterpoint or, or and then I'll have an opening and then I'll say something because clearly this is a bad idea and, and that person keeps sharing and then all of a sudden the other people in the meetings to your dismay start nodding their heads and you see that this bad idea is taking root in this little group of people and all of a sudden several other people go yeah we should do that oh my goodness what a great idea and all of a sudden, inside of you, there, there was that little voice that goes, ah, I don't know about this. But as you see the bad idea picking up steam, that little voice transitions from a, I don't know, I'm not sure, to a, oh, no. Uh-oh. No, 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 no. We, we can't do that because that is not going to get us there. It's not going to do what you think. That is, that is going to take us some places that we don't want to go. All of a sudden, that little voice inside you upgrades itself to a, I don't know about this, to this scream going, hey, we, we can't let this happen. Can I tell you guys something? That is this scripture in our culture today. That voice crying out saying, this can't be the way it is. We can't let it go like that. Oh, that's these words. Because I don't know if you know this or not. But in the world around us, we are living in an affirmation famine. Here's what I mean. Kind words, encouraging words, affirming words about who you are and where you're going. Encouragement, uplifting words, words saying you can do it, you have what it takes, you matter, your life's important. Words of encouragement are being exchanged at an all-time low in the current culture around us. The stats bear it out easily. 79% of employees who quit their jobs claim that a lack of appreciation was a major reason they left. 65% of Americans claim they weren't even recognized once last year, according to OC, OC Tanner Research. Um, another study showed that the, an average person has about 12,000 to 6,000 thoughts per day. Of those, 80% are negative and 95% are repetitive thoughts. Um, apparent, or approximately... 90% of all news media is negative, shocker. And then Forbes pointed out the average American sees 4,000 to 10,000 advertisements a day, most of which work with the same simple formula, telling the consumer that they're missing something. We live in an affirmation famine. I, I don't even think I have to show you guys stats for you to realize that. Some of you could point to whole seasons of your life that were dark and discouraging. And it, grew, it went back to words that were spoken to you. There was negative or a lack of affirmation. Maybe it was words that weren't spoken to you. But you can go back and you can see this. Some of you worked in a workplace like the ones described in all these quotes. And I don't even have to explain that to you. Some of you grew up in a home where words of encouragement encouragement, words telling you you are okay, words of affirmation were never spoken to you. And now there is a craving in your soul to be affirmed and encouraged to be made much of. Shoot, 
go to a swimming pool and listen to how many times you hear children say the words, hey, watch this. Why do they do that? Because we are hardwired with a need to be affirmed and encouraged. But if you take a quick look around the culture, you see that words like that are being exchanged at an all-time low. And then Hebrews comes along and says, hey guys, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but what? Encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This scripture is calling out in culture saying, guys, this cannot be the way things go in the house of God. This, this, this word, these words are calling out in culture saying words of encouragement, words of affirmation, uplifting words are being exchanged at an all-time low and the house of God needs to be different. When people gather together, kind words should be spoken. Uplifting words should be spoken. It should be a regular part of the life of a Jesus follower to be encouraging to others. I'll study the passage with you. Come on, Bible nerds. Join me in a little Bible study really quick. The first thing I'll point out to you in this passage is the use of a literary technique called chiasm. It looks like this. Okay, I'm going there, okay? So uh, if, if you don't like the nerdy stuff, just fast forward two minutes and I'll, we'll catch back up with you for all the practical stuff. But I'm going to go there. This is called the chiasm. It is when two ideas are sandwiching another. And they work together. It'd be like, how do you describe this? It'd be like, these two ideas surround one idea, and together, this little combination makes a singular point. And our chiasm here, I, here, let me just simplify it. What we have here is an encouragement sandwich. Okay? So in the middle, we are talking about the house of God. We're talking about meetings. We're talking about meeting together. And the two words on the other side of it are about what you should be up to when you meet together. So the sandwich here is, hey, be spurring one another on towards good deeds. While you're together, be encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I could explain it like this. Have you ever, have you ever been in a situation where you were staying at home and a spouse was running out to the store to get something, and there was really, really, really something that you needed the spouse to get from the store but the person running to the store didn't necessarily have the best track record of remembering the things you need at the store. Like you've got a whole history of going, hey, could you get this? And then it never ends up in the shopping cart and it never, you unpack looking for the this, but the this isn't there and you really wanted the this. That's what we're doing here. So when somebody goes at the, like if, if you were having somebody run to the store for eggs and they got a bad track record, you go, hey, make sure you get eggs. But let me ask you, what, what, do, you, what, what do you do right before they leave? As you say, goodbye, all right, I'll catch you later. I'll be back in about 20 minutes. What's the last thing you say to them before they go? You go, hey, by the way, love you. Don't forget the eggs. So, so you tell them about the eggs, and then they're heading to the store, and you, you remind them about the eggs. You go, egg store, eggs. You go, hey, we really need some eggs here. While you're at the store, don't forget, uh, get some eggs. Can I tell you what Hebrews is doing? He's saying, guys, we need to be encouraging one another and when you're at church, oh, by the way, remember the church should be a place where words are encouragement, words of encouragement, affirmation are spoken to one another. Hey, don't forget to encourage when you're together. Don't forget to encourage. Eggs store eggs. Encourage church, encourage. I'll do some more study on this passage with you. The writer uses this word, aleus. 
That's the word one another in Scripture. It's interesting because there's 50-some-odd one another's in Scripture. The writer of Hebrews only uses the word one time, and it's right here. Encourage one another. Now, it's interesting because commentary uh, writer Leon Morris says it like this. The only place where the author uses the expression one another, aleus, though it's found frequently in the New Testament, he is speaking of mutual activity. One in which believers encouraged one another, not where leaders direct the rest as to what they are to do. Here's what he's saying. This commandment is for the whole church family. When I keep saying we, we got to build a culture by being a culture, I can't do this without you. I literally cannot obey this commandment on behalf of momentum. What the writer here is saying cannot be done from a stage. It cannot be done from a ministry staff member to a large group of people. This is something that can only be fulfilled within the church family when you decide to make yourself an encouraging and affirming person to the people around you. I can't do this without you. Now, let's talk about how we get there. How do we become these kind of Jesus followers? How do we become people who are marked by words of encouragement and affirmation? How do we get from here to there? Well, first, uh, let me address, let me tell you about the tension in the room right now. Can I, can I tell you guys something? I sit, I, I understand this. I sit in full view of the fact that at any given time, our church is about one-third military, active duty, or retired military. I get that. And I get nationally, uh, you know, women outnumber men in church 60% to 40%. And, and the reason is messages like this, because you, you, you know, you're like doing you and you're, you're a guy. And then a pastor comes up and goes, hey, make sure you're encouraging. Make sure you're really nice to everybody. And you're like, Ugh. I get I get that. I, I go... Oh, gosh, don't tell anyone this. I go on this fishing trip uh, once a year. It's, it's a getaway from me. It's, it is fun. It is woods and river and pulling trout out of the river and having them for dinner. To that, that, that. I mean, it's a, it's a guy trip. We go there. We get away. The whole thing. I love it. And um, there's another guy on the trip who's a believer. He's a Jesus follower and you know, knows I'm a pastor. They all know that. And We're hanging out by the fire one night and... And he just wants to, I think he wants good intentions, wants to be encouraging, wants to have a spiritual conversation. And he takes a deep breath and opens the conversation by saying, I just can't wait to be at the wedding feast of the lamb. And I was like, oh man, like, here's the deal. I get, I know what he's talking about, like, I know what he's saying. I know that the, the Lamb of God is Jesus. He's the Lamb that was saved, slain and so we could be saved. And I understand the wedding feast is when we're in front of Jesus and we're in the presence of God in heaven one day. And listen, I can't wait for that either. But he goes, I just can't wait for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And everything in me went like, bro, could, could you just not? Like, can we not do this right now? And I get it. So I get it. Come on. I get it. When I'm like, hey, guys, we got to encourage and be, you know, I get a part of you going, Matt, come on. Can we just not like, can I not do that? Here's what I'll say. I'm not asking you to to respond with flowery, flouncy language and, 
You know, I'm not asking you to show up with some biblical pixie dust that you sprinkle on everyone when you show up at church. I'll tell you something. I, I do want you to pay attention to the difference in awareness and a weirdness. I'm not asking you for a weirdness. To get weird and to start speaking in Old English and, and, and talking about wedding feasts and all that stuff at church. I'm asking you to first cultivate an awareness that the people around you are dying and desperate for words of affirmation and encouragement. Probably even more than you realize. And I'm telling you, as a Jesus follower, it is your job to be aware of this and know that you are called in Jesus' name to do something about this. So what do we do? Here's how we get there. Number one, I want you to encourage your family often. Encourage it. Start in the home. Start in the home first. Because here's the deal. If it, if it happens in the home, or if it doesn't happen in the home, but it happens in the hallways of the church, everybody around you will interpret you as a hypocrite. If, if they see a switch get flipped and the encouragement stuff is what you do when you're at church, but it's not what you do when you're at home and there's a dissidence there, everybody's going to get sick real quick with that. Uh, start in your home because it's an easy place to practice. Start in your home because those are the people who probably need it the most. Start in your home because you can literally change your household with words of affirmation and encouragement. You know that, right? Do you know what would happen if you made it your job to be the most encouraging and affirming person in your spouse's life? Do you know what would happen in your home if you made it your job to make yourself the most encouraging and affirming person in your children's life? I'll tell you something about your kids. They need it. And if they don't get it from you, they're going to go looking for it somewhere else. You could change everything. I want you to start in your home. You celebrate what you can. Shoot, you, I, know you, I know your family's not perfect, and I know living with them sometimes drives you crazy, and I know there's 10 things you wish you could change, but can I tell you something? You can't change those people, but you can encourage them, and you can give them your best, and I believe when you do so, you make yourself a vehicle through which God can change them. You start with celebration in your home. Two, I want you to encourage yourself daily. All right, stick with me, because that sounds super self-helpy. That sounds super, Matt, are you going to tell me to look myself in the mirror and say I can do it? No, 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 no. I ain't talking about self-help. I'm talking about what the scriptures say you should do. There's that passage when David is the leader of this army and things go wrong. Not just wrong, but, but horribly. And even the people who have sworn their lives to him begin to walk away one at a time. For Samuel 30, it says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people were speaking of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But, but David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. And I want to challenge you to follow in this example and be one who encourages yourself. Because here's the deal. You cannot give what you don't have yourself. 
if you are to be pouring out words of affirmation and encouragement, if you are to be lifting others up with your words, you have to have that in you first to give it away. Where do you get that? Your holy habits. Encourage yourself in the Lord is making your time with God a priority. Encouraging yourself in the Lord is playing the worship music when everything in you just wants to have YouTube on. Encouraging yourself in the Lord is reminding yourself of who you are and whose you are because of Jesus. It is speaking the gospel to yourself. It is filling your mind with truth. It is leaning into the things of God, cultivating your relationship with God through the practice of holy habits because you cannot give what you do not have have first. I'll tell you something. Ashamed people don't encourage others because they don't feel worthy of it themselves. Bitter people don't encourage people because they're too busy feeling discouraged. Wounded people don't encourage others because they just don't have it to give. Transformed people encourage because they want to share the life that's been first given to them. And to give, you have to receive. And God says, meet me in my word. Let me fill you up so you can pour yourself into the world around you. (laughs) Third, how do we get there? I'll tell you this. you got to realize that your time is short. Your time is short. Listen, I'm not going to give you a script. I'm not going to give you, we're not finishing today with three tips for more encouraging words. This isn't BuzzFeed. This is, this is a word of God. And, and in this passage, right here in our words, check out Hebrews 10.25. Listen to this. Don't give up on gathering together in summer in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Be encouraging one another. Why? All the more because you see the day is approaching. As you see the day Approaching. Now listen to what he's talking about here. The day is the day of Christ's return. The day is either the day when you pass away here on earth and you are staring eyeball to eyeball with God and you don't have any more chances to say it down here. Or when Jesus comes back. You, you are, that day is approaching. And the scriptures say, hey, to encourage one another because whether you like it or not, that day is coming and it will be here sooner than you think. And here's the truth this, this morning. You have a limited amount of time to say things that matter to the people who matter to you. That's the truth. You don't know what cells are growing in your body right now. You don't know when the blood clot is coming. You don't know what the drive home has for you. But rest assured, there is a day coming. And you have a limited time, you guys, to say things that matter to the people who matter to you. Therefore, momentum, we are to be Jesus followers who encourage people with our words. We are to be Jesus followers followers who recognize the time we've been given and we use the power of our speech to affirm and uplift the people who are around us as a church community in the middle of an affirmation famine we are to be marked by words that are food for people's souls as a church community we are called to shine in the world around us as people who actually encourage and use our words knowing that we can make the difference in someone's lives.
Guys, that's why we're here. That's who we're called to become. I love you guys. Have a great week. I'll see you next week. Peace.